0: Hey, this is Ed, thanks for listening to Digital Voices. This is a special drop because it's Veterans Day and we wanna honor all of those who have served our country and there's no better way than doing that than by having an actual service person uh, with us. So super, super excited. We'll be speaking with Major Josh Elder who's also a Senior Vice President at Highmark Health. So, for all those listening that have served our country, thank you.
1: Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges, and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host,
0: Ed Marks. Josh, we've never met formally. So this is sort of the first time, but I've certainly followed you for quite some time in your career. And obviously, whenever I see military leaders, I'm always like super extra interested in following them and what they're doing in their career and the things that you're doing at Highmark Health. You know, I'm somewhat familiar with, we're going to jump into that a little bit more deeply. And it's super, super impressive. So again, you know, thank you for, for being on our show. And I know, you have listened to our shows before, so you know the next question coming, which is the most important of all of them, which is, what songs are on your playlist? Like, what kind of music do you like to listen well, thanks to?
1: thanks, and thanks for having me here today. I, uh, I went back through my Spotify playlist and realized I had been listening to uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Whiskey Myers over the past day or two, um, Can't Stop, Scar Tissue, and then for those who are familiar with Whiskey Myers, uh, the song Mud and uh, Frogman popped up, so...
0: Yeah, so Whiskey Myers—that's a new one to me. So I'm going to uh, definitely look that up later today and uh, and check it out. What what is your life message or mantra? Are there words or a quote or something that sort of inspires you, or w- words that you live by?
1: Yeah, you know, I've really been driven to help the common good, and I I know that so m- many of us are. Um, and parts of that have really revolved around public service and then clinical transformation. Um, They've been central to my career and really what drives me, and when I think of public service, obviously my work as an ER doc, an Army Reserve officer resonates strongly there. And then in the clinical transformation space, my career has really been dedicated to assessing and improving the way patient care is delivered and then paid for. Um, and when I think about kind of blending people, process technology, that's when clinical transformation occurs. Um, and I, I, I'd say kind of as a last point, I think, you know, Abraham Lincoln's, uh, whatever you are, be a good one, um, resonates strongly with kind of a motto and how I approach things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Share with us to, you can go back as far as you want on the personal professional side, sort of a little bit about yourself and, and ultimately how you got
1: to where you are today. So I grew up with my parents serving in the military, um, was born in England, lived throughout Europe, the United States, and I was actually born at Lake Neath Heath Air Force Base in England. Um, when my parents were retired from the Air Force, finally, we returned back to Pennsylvania and I did middle school and high school in the Pocono Mountains and college at Pitt. Um, but I had a deep ancestral roots into the Pittsburgh region. My great-great-grandfather was a brewmaster for a local brewery around the region called Stoney's. And my great-grandfather and great-uncles worked at U.S. Steel, and my grandma and grandpa actually uh, met down the street from where I live today. Um, but my grandfather completed his education at Pitt, med school, served in the Navy in the South Pacific in World War II, kind of those military routes taking hold, obviously, in my family. Um, and then my parents and family always emphasized the importance of public service and education, and so... I went on to attend Pitt, studied chemistry, um, and then afterwards decided to take a year working at the NIH for a year. Um, Ended up going out to California for medical school at UCLA and really developed my interest in public health around management and policy and really is where my interest as a specialty of emergency medicine took hold. Uh, Went on to residency at Stanford and then decided to spend an additional two years as a RWJ scholar um, looking more about clinical transformation, how to incorporate that in my career, I led a number of implementation efforts um, out uh, in Connecticut, and um, ended up joining the faculty at UC Davis, where I wanted to continue building uh, some of that work.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. And how did it? How did you come up with Army? Because I heard Navy in your background, and then your parents Air Force. <laughs> so, was it a big deal when you? When you went to the it, army, or how did that come you
1: know, about? My grandfather being in the navy, both my parents being a career, uh, you know, active duty through the Air Force. Growing up with my dad, who taught at the Air Force Academy, and then I show up and tell my parents I'm joining the army. Um, <laughs> that, it makes it makes for an interesting story, but um, you know, it it has to do with um, where we best plug and play into kind of um, where our talents lie and what's needed. And uh, as an ER doc, uh, for those out there who, who, who have kind of gone through this transition before, the uh, diversity of experiences and opportunities in the Army are, are vast as it relates to being an ER doc. And so uh, definitely saw a lot of the opportunities there, and uh, that took hold as, a, as, as how I ended up getting foundation in, into that service branch.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's jump into Highmark Health. So Highmark Health, super interesting organization. Can you provide a brief overview of Highmark Health and the different components that make it up?
1: Sure. Um, So Highmark Health, we're a national blended health organization, Um, We serve millions of people. And so we're headquartered in Pittsburgh right here. Um, We're regionally focused in Pennsylvania, Delaware, West Virginia, New York. Um, And we have customers in all 50 states and District of Columbia. Um and when we think of kind of uh, who we are, you know we are a diversified spectrum of health related needs so we have health care delivery, health insurance, population health management, innovative technology solutions, dental solutions, and even reinsurance solutions. so we cover quite a diversity of solutions and then delivery um, in healthcare as well
0: yeah so I, I found it really interesting, you know the descriptor of blended blended health organizations so How does that work in practice? You know, is it like harmony, lots of harmony or, you know, collaboration? How does it, you know, all work?
1: It was a a big inspiration, I think, for why our work is unique, but also what brought me here. Uh, And I think it draws on talent around the country, um, really around the world, kind of come to do this because it is you know, it includes we're one of America's largest Blue Cross Blue Shield insurers. And then we have a growing regional yeah. hospital and physician network. We're really a pay vider in this region. Um, but, you know, I think as we recognize, you know, America healthcare is unsustainable, right? We're frustrated. Yeah. There's complexity, there's rising costs. And obviously a big stressor for a lot of the consumers and too costly for everyone. So, you know, looking back at healthcare spending, you know, I mean, we're projected to rise by, you know, in 2027 by, you know, 19 20% of our GDP. And despite yeah, this, you know, right. all the indexes of all of health, you know, everyone's heard this, but, you know, even though we're spending a lot, we're not getting, obviously, the longest life expectancy, nor among the healthiest. So the systems urgently need, to, you know, new breakthroughs, new innovative ideas, um, new visionaries to kind of champion change. And uh, Highmark Health is up to the, you know, challenge that status quo. So we recognize also that, you know, we, we can't do this alone. So we, uh, we definitely blended with a number of collaborations. You've certainly seen our collaborations with Google and League and other partnerships, community yeah. partnerships and affiliations that, um, you know, obviously share our values of what we want to do. But when I when I see it kind of in two big categories, I'd say. Deep payer, provider, uh, and industry partnerships I kind of talked about. And then blending industry expertise with innovation uh, technology. Um, And so that's where we find ourselves blended. And I think in a unique space to solve a lot of the problems facing healthcare today.
0: Yeah, I love that because, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, you know, some attribute to, you know, uh, insanity and uh, Albert Einstein quote maybe. And so I love it when healthcare organizations try Innovation, uh, you know, transform themselves first and then do these partnerships. And I think that definitely is is the way to go. So I, I know everyone's watching really carefully. How does Highmark Health create remarkable experiences, freeing people to be their best? Right. That's the mission. And so, uh, you know, how is that? How are you doing that? Making that happen? So our
1: organization invests heavily in listening to and understanding the people we serve. It's critical. So, from a consumer perspective, living health is our strategy, it's two parts uh, when we think of building better insurance products, redesigning how delivery of of care is achieved, but living health can be viewed as our really long-term commitment to fixing, I'd say, three uh, national pain points. So, first national pain point, I'd say, is our healthcare spending, again, now making up almost 20% of our economy. Second being that our healthcare system is way too fragmented. And then third, people don't feel like they have clear information and guidance to make uh, decisions and understand next steps. So when I see kind of, again, what our mission is, what our vision is, it's really united around kind of solving for those pain points and solving for a lot of those challenges that face the um, you know, consumers and, and, and patients as they, as they navigate the systems.
0: Yeah, that's cool. We're, we're going to come back to that in a little bit in terms of the digital and vir- virtual parts, you know, where where you have responsibility for. Uh, and we'll talk about how your team helps uh, shape that. But before we get there, I do want to talk about uh, the Army, right? Because I, I love the Army. I attribute a lot of my success. I don't know about yourself, but a lot of my leadership success all goes back to being I was a 17-year-old, you know, in basic training, and now I was like a 19-year-old. I was in ROTC. So at 19, I was like a like a quasi platoon leader. And uh, that really helped me a lot. And so I love talking about it. Um, how about for yourself? How has the Army shaped you?
1: So when I think about the Army, you know, it's a it's a problem solving organization unlike any other And um, I have transformed as an individual um, because of my experiences there. And I think it's important to take a step back, as you know, Ed, but for our listeners, you know, the Army Reserve, when you think about kind of who we are, right? I mean, we, we, we serve to provide trained and equipped units and personnel at scale and speed required to support the total force. And when you think about kind of what we accomplish, we accomplish this through, you know, improvements, investments in readiness, modernization priorities, and balancing training requirements, quality of life, obviously, needs of our soldiers, civilians, families. So we're used to operating in pretty complex environments. And so, while healthcare is incredibly complex, and I know listeners can understand and feel that, um, there is nothing like a combat environment. And preparing for that, having been in one, um, you know, I, I think it makes you assess things differently. And I think it's a good um, threshold with which we can kind of all say, Whoa. Just take it one step at a time. We're moving forward. We can figure this out. So um, that that's how I kind of see it: problem solving, but also kind of the the importance of a diverse team that has strength different than you, and bringing the best around you to to make great decisions. And you know, I have been blessed to just have a ton of talented people that I've been blessed to both lead and um, also lead me. And I think from that you you kind of see uh, just you know uh, the kind of the sum being greater than the parts, right? Kind of doing really important yeah. work for our nation for those we serve. Um, and I know that resonates strongly with you. But yeah, that that problem solving agenda is is unlike any other.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah in fact, when I used to interview for civilian jobs, I would just pull out you know the five <laughs> steps. You know, I don't know if they still use the same thing, but the five steps to problem oh, yeah. solving. And I remember the interviewers would be like impressed. Wow, you got these old <laughs> steps. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Thanks to the Army. But what does a command surgeon do? So uh, that's part of your title, your role. Uh, I'm not sure many listeners might yeah. know.
1: So as I described kind of the purpose of the Army Reserve as a whole. So if you take a kind of a step down to the 416th Tech or the, the, the Theater Eng- Engineering Command. Um, so we're one of only two techs in the Army. What does that mean? So we provide technical and tactical engineering support to the U.S. forces. Um, So, you know, for the over the past decade, we've had constant deployments. So, you know, kind of brigades, battalions kind of, again, our mechanism is to continue serving in in a in a in a in a constant capacity. So in addition to over a decade of these consecutive deployments, you know, we have international global impact. We participate in humanitarian operations, joint training exercises throughout Central America, South America, the Middle East. So when the command surgeon role is kind of thought of, it's not just my role, but it's a section, right? So I have a team, but I'm the senior medical advisor to the 416th commander, uh, a general, as well as the 416th commander's senior staff. So all health services supported related policy plans, engagement, exercises, and this includes budget and then issues around medical modernization uh, transformation for, for some that may be aware there's an RHRP contract that that essentially is a, you know, we contract out with some work. And so it's always a balance of figuring out how to do that efficiently while we're also leveraging organic providers or organic um, kind of medical assets uh, within uh, our, our team as well. And then we provide, um, you know, quality management over our provider groups. Um, so it's a lot of different components um, that obviously uh, is all getting ready for to have a, a ready and available force.
0: Yeah, and, and to your point, Josh, just for our listeners, the the role of the Army Reserve has just become huge uh, in the last 20, 30 years and you know, the last 10 years specifically, where we've sort of drawn down the size of the regular army and because of costs and different things, and you know, the peace levels of the the world. And so we invest heavily in our reserves so that when times come that we do need to flex, uh, the reserve is there, and and it's all the time. The reserves are active all the time. That's the thing that I don't think most people know, but you did a a great job sharing some examples. Um, So it's really important. for for everyone you know i was going to ask you what what sort of drove you to join the army but i think you may have uh already you know addressed that in terms of your your heritage with your grandparents your your parents and um you know your your desire to really serve um, was there anything else that sort of tipped your way into the military
1: yeah i, I you know I, I i share this you know i recently got um made aware that i'll be getting deployed back to centcom in 24. And, you know, someone asked me, they said, um, you know, how do you feel about that? And I said, well, somebody's got to do it, right? I mean, someone's and I and I yeah. think to that point, that common purpose, common cause, um, you know, we we step up, we move forward and we were there to help support. And especially as a physician in that role, um, the amount of need that you see in kind of international situations from a prior de- deployment. And, and you can just imagine the world today um you know as an er doc um it is a it's a it's a great gift to be able to be there to be there for those who are in need right um and i always learn more than i think the other way around um but yeah there's you know when, when you're driven to do this at a you know a basic level and wanting to serve um there is no greater way to do it but there's a lot of sacrifice right there's sacrifice to myself my family um, my, my, you know, employer, you know, I mean, there's sacrifice all, all the way around. Um, but I think as Americans, we understand what, what those trade-offs are. And, um, we understand that, you know, it's, it's, uh, when you see events of the world, um, they certainly hit home, um, because they, they involve, they involve all of us. Um, but yeah, I think when I see the band of brothers and sisters that I serve with, right, it's all, you know, folks from all around the country. you know, great people. And, um, you know, when again, you get your time call gets called, I, I think when you when you sign up, you realize that that is, uh, that's a possibility. And it's happened to me. And I and I think um, it, it, it helps you reimagine again, what's important. Um, and I, I do think that service is just fundamental to our nation, It kind of brings people together.
0: Thank you, Josh, for your service uh, to our country. And, and uh, I recognize, you know, the sacrifice and appreciate what you do. So, Let's switch now to digital and you know the the areas of responsibility that you have at Highmark Health. And so, you know, I just kind of pulled from you know what what you're all trying to accomplish and how you're leveraging tech to do it. So, you know, one aspect is helping improve quality, reducing cost, improving access, uh, impacting equity. What are some things that you and your team do to sort of make that a reality?
1: Yeah, so um, so when I when I think about what we are going after, we're going after improving the quintuple aim. So the quintuple aim is is familiar with with uh, many folks, but but when I when I think about kind of again what our strategy is within our organization, because strategy, structure, people, process, same thing in the military, and also obviously um, at Highmark Health in terms of how we advance our cause and our purpose and what we do. So living health being two parts. So first part is again creating better insurance products. So We want to solve for a 360 view of a person. So how do we support them physically, mentally, socially? Um, So that whole person health approach. So we get involved in our team to figure out how we can better craft and again support wraparound services to to members, to patients when they need it, right? So the other side is redesigning uh, care delivery through kind of these deep payer-provider relationships we have. So we have a fully owned, you know, regional health system, AHN, as well as joint ventures and value-based collaborations in each of our markets. So when I think about each of those, it's solving a lot of different puzzles within kind of, let's take, for example, cost. Uh, Recently, we realized that um, we wanted to insource uh, because we saw an opportunity to make a cost-effective decision to. Leverage our own kind of interprofessional teams within our our, our AHN our our, uh, our um, uh, you know our fully owned regional health system, and so we were able to leverage that to design a um, tele ICU. That was both again advancing quality and value and cost um, from leveraging our providers within kind of again the space that we kind of sit in here. So that's one example. Um, when I think of examples around, for for instance, um, you know access, net new access. You know we've been doing a lot of work as it relates to our digital front door, such that in 24, you know we're uh, we're migrating me- uh, met most of our members members over to our My Highmark app, which allows for uh, members of where they may be, right, independent of region, um, in rural areas and in areas around the country, to log on and to seek services for virtual health services, um, specialty care services, even virtual primary care. And so when I see that net new access, right, um, that's a new grid that we're creating yeah that's made possible by again a lot of this tech integration but that kind of people process technology so those are two examples but um but yeah in each category we are driving efforts to drive that value and i think what's what's great about being part of an organization to where that is kind of what we measure ourselves against is that we continue to have to prove successes there and if we don't measure that as you know ed um, we will never come close to achieving a lot of those aims, um, especially around right. equity, joy of practice. Many of these issues that continue, again, to either drive gaps in care and drive gaps in those areas, or we close those gaps because it's a priority in our organization.
0: Yeah, those are great examples. And you you, you all are very forward thinking, not just strategically, but actually implementing and executing on some of these things. Uh, you mentioned the joy of practice. You know, that's that's a, a difficult challenge for, for many organizations. And can you share with us an example on how, you know, you've leveraged any sort of technology that might help clinicians with burnout?
1: So when I see a lot of times where we're talking to an anchor uh, provider, when we're thinking about how we might do some of this work together, it's thinking about where can we provide efficiencies to practice wraparound care, wraparound case management, wrap around services, it you know fill in the in the in the blank even so much as you know pre-authorization and how we can kind of improve that process so there's a lot of ways to tackle this but the pain points for each practice might look radically different or feel different but one thing is for sure is that i think we as all as you know physicians as providers as kind of interprofessional teams we all know there's never enough time in the day so when i work you know across the street in the emergency department and i and i send that patient home I don't know what's going to happen to that person next. Or I don't know kind of necessarily what what has happened preceding that visit if they're out of my network in a typical provider system. So we look to find, again, better ways to inform data, points, even teams, We're again, again, using our Highmark Health teams, our 40,000 plus, again, Highmark Health um, you know, employees, to figure out how we can provide that better wraparound services. So um, there's a lot of examples within that grid. But I'd say as a, as a fundamental mechanism, it's about helping to transform a lot of those practices that, without those partnerships, again, are really without the resources, um, either in people, process, or technology, that help them kind of become their better selves.
0: Yeah, that's great. Josh, Is what do you think about in terms of the future? I know it's hard to predict the future and, you know, things change so fast now with uh, in the, our world of tech and digital uh, that you can't go very far out and hope to be accurate. But where, where do you think we're headed in the next couple of years with tech and digital, you know, in terms of deploying different?
1: capabilities? You know, a a few points, Ed. I'd say first off, um, I think this idea that virtual care in the next decade, um, I hope sooner, but I think virtual care will become care. I I think that that is a transition that we need and that's a transition that needs to occur. I think just normalizing its use, right, just kind of it's another form of kind of just what we do. Um, I think the intersection between virtual and brick and mortar, while I think it's great that you know, we're doing a lot of great work around virtual first solutions and and virtual first products. I think the integration again, where virtual and brick and mortar come together, that's ultimately the the reality of life. There will always be a need for brick and mortar care, and so designing both insurance products, but also designing care delivery uh, pathways with that acknowledgement, I think, is really important. Um, I think another just uh, recognition is one of um, you know value based arrangements. This idea that I think you know we still. Uh, largely are in a culture of kind of a fee-for-service culture. And I think when we see a lot of the tools, the virtual care and digital health tools, they really embed in such holistic ways as to just be something, an additional avenue of care It's a right time and right place to keep someone out of a hospital, out of the ED, for example. We can all see ways that could work. So um, I think more in that value-based arrangement is going to be, again, a real opportunity, an opportunity where, again, payers and providers can come together to figure out some of those more complex problems that a typical fee-for-service arrangement won't solve.
0: Makes a lot of sense. What's one thing? That you're really proud of your team uh, for having accomplished, you know, in the last uh, couple of years since you've been leading them.
1: So when I came here a, a little over a year and a half ago, um, I was a completely new function, completely new role. And when you think of the concept of what we're doing in terms of blending health. Um, we have created a new, I'd say, figurative table at Highmark Health within our organization to bring people together for common cause and common purpose. And if I had to say kind of, again, getting back to what drives me, kind of my mantra, right, kind of that building, building something for that common good, um, I see so many ways yeah. that our role within the organization is helping to foster and solve a really a lot of complex problems. And so every day I show up to work, I I, I look forward to that, right? I look forward to bringing those new, those new parts of the organization together in new ways um, that help to foster some of those problem solving approaches. Again, driving toward that quintuple aim, um, but driving toward, again, leveraging this technology to do things I think, Ed, you and I probably a decade ago never would, would have thought possible. Um, so that that is something that I'm, I'm proud of. And I, I, I get excited about every day.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now I want to take sort of a lot of the different things that we've spoken about already. mark Health, Digital and Army. I'm going to sort of blend these in a couple of leadership questions. So how did and yeah, how did the Army experience help you in your career and vice versa?
1: So um, there's this quote from uh, Virchow, who uh, obviously both uh, you know kind of was famous for having discovered blood clots, but also is having uh, less famous but ha- having said that you know, uh, kind of politics is nothing more than medicine on a large scale. And what I mean by that is I think when we want to make impact on this world, we need to step outside that walls of medicine to kind of understand how to communicate. Um, clinical value, wisdom, technical expertise, and you have to be able to communicate with different stakeholders in such a different complex way. So I think Virchow's words of kind of scaling and kind of understanding the need to step outside is so important, and I'd say, When we talked about kind of the Army experience, right, getting early senior leadership experience at an earlier step of my career than I otherwise would have gotten, getting earlier responsibility and and needing to prove those points. Right. When you're when you're talking to a general or talking to someone that doesn't share your background and being able to use both the language and the inspiration and giving those data points to inspire influence and outcome that ultimately is going to help them. Um, I think, again, that language of, again, kind of coming to a table that isn't all of your peers, but all of, again, people that you need to prove new proof points to, um, I think is a lot of what a lot of those early opportunities in my career helped advance um, in terms of, again, how do you do clinical transformation? We have to bring all of those parts to the table um, and all those different stakeholders to actually, again, suggest why this cultural and kind of organizational shift is necessary.
0: Yeah. And not that we're doing a commercial for the Army Reserve here. This is the next question. But w- would you encourage others to sort of have this dual career? You mentioned the sacrifice already. You know, it's it's not an easy thing, but would you encourage others to consider it, whether it was the Army, Air Force, Navy, you know, uh, National Guard?
1: I would. I, I, I think it, you know, if you have a calling for it, I think that's that's everything. But, you know, when I'm when I'm talking to you know, younger you know, men or women that, that kind of are interested in that path, I think the motivation, the intent, right? I think intent is a very powerful word for all of us, but especially in the military, it kind of resonates into, you know, what are you doing something for? And so I think if you're there and, and, and you want to be there for that service and the other things aren't kind of clouding it, Um, There is no there is no greater space to be. Um, And I think just the recognition of that sacrifice, right, which is, again, juggling both of those worlds and fulfilling them again, being the best of what you can be in those spaces. um, It takes sacrifice. And I am blessed to have such a supportive family and um, a supportive team that, that makes it all possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I concur. I would, I would definitely recommend it for, for anyone. None of my, I have five kids. None of them went and and did anything, but that's okay. Uh, I I appreciate what they, what they are doing. So what do you love most about your role? You you pick one or the other, you know, the, your, your service in the army or your service at Highmark health.
1: So, um, at Highmark, I love the fact that I get to do clinical transformation every day sometimes, you know, everyone gets that opportunity to fit into that role that was really kind of designed for them. And, you know, I remember when this role kind of uh, was made available, and I was learning about it. Um, It was just kind of a glove, right? It was a it was a fit for who I was. Um, I love to be a cultural change agent, come in to help inspire change. And I think when you see the difference between transformation and innovation, right, transformation takes time. It takes um, you know, patience and it takes a, a central currency to kind of build that momentum. So even a year and a half, we see kind of, again, signals of, of those successes. And so um, I love that work. Um, there's nothing quite like it. You know, I, I think I still am grounded by showing up to the ER and you know taking that take care of that N of one, that person in front of you, and the problems you need to solve, and using that as a test kitchen, really for kind of what could we do, what could we do better, what could we do, how can we make this better for this person, and kind of the next generation serving them. Um, but yeah, I I, I I am passionate about this work and uh, lucky to lucky to be at Heimer.
0: Well, Josh, we we've talked about everything from whiskey Myers, which I'm going to look up later. And uh, put it on my playlist, and all the way through, you know, the army and digital transformation. Did I did we miss something, or is there something you'd like to double down on? I'll give you the last word.
1: Ed, well, first off, um, thanks for you know this space and this time. I, I think you know uh, leaders such as yourself have been a big inspiration to me and and other others like me um, to really kind of see the need for this you know generational change of kind of what is occurring in healthcare. Um, when I see kind of the the need to kind of really centralize our focus as leaders right now on a, on a big problem to solve together, that's a problem around telehealth alignment. I think that when we think about pay parity, when we think about kind of where we're moving as an industry, I think we are laying down the foundational infrastructure that is going to again be seismic in terms of what it can do um, for a lot of the access and equity issues, kind of moving forward. So, um, I think we we all have a different hat to, to wear in that ring, if you will. Um, some of us in technology, some of us as payers, some of us as providers, some of us as CMS, etc. But I do think we need to link hands to do that in a way that kind of works together. Because um, I know you know when you see kind of a lot of large payers making again a lot of seismic shifts in this. Space um, and I'll even CMS, kind of again adjudicating what this will be. Um, anyway, I, I think us banding together to figure out what's best for those patients we're serving, because at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I think we all see the capacity of what this what this world can be uh, in terms of uh, digital and virtual health and a lot of the telehealth related policy changes. But um, yeah, I, I just think that is going to be a, a years long journey to get it right. Um, but I, I, think we need to focus our efforts on that and not just on the next app. Um, I, I think that's going to be a really, really important area.
0: Yeah, Josh, great, great wisdom, uh, great insights there. And to end our program again, thank you so much for being on digital voices. And that wraps up digital voices. Thanks for listening. We know that you have a lot of choices to what to listen to. You stuck with us. We appreciate it. No commercials, no sponsors, pure content.